0: Hello and welcome to Engagement Express, the new podcast series for HR engagement and communication professionals. It's episode 12, believe it or not, and I'll be giving you inspiration and tips as usual on how to increase engagement in your organization. My name is Kate Siche and I'm an internal communications consultant who's worked with many well-known global brands to support their colleague engagement strategies. Join me every fortnight to hear more about the things you should be reviewing and doing regularly to increase engagement. Location, location, location. Working with remote teams can be both thrilling and daunting at the same time. I've been responsible for people based all over Europe as well as collaborating with international stakeholders. I have always thoroughly enjoyed the challenge of working with different languages and cultures. When one thinks of traditional management of teams, as outlined in Episode 8, People Manager Power Part 1, one thinks about the old school command and control management style. This old school approach very much depended On managers being in the same physical location as their teams. Even if you disregarded geographic differences, employees who actually lived in the same country, the same city, the same town, would still be required to be in the office and to see their managers every day in person. Of course, things have now changed dramatically in the post-19 culture, which has torn the old office culture to pieces and turned remote working into a formidable and workable alternative. Many organisations that steered clear of allowing their employees to work from home or other locations other than their offices have now come to the conclusion during the five-month lockdown that working from home could work and in fact, did work. So what is a remote team? For the purpose of this episode, a remote team is one where members are dispersed geographically. I've managed a few European teams where its members were spread across the European region from Germany to UK to Spain to Italy and so on. It was both a rewarding and challenging undertaking. Rewarding because I got to work with a variety of people from different countries, speaking different languages and culturally different to what I was familiar with. What this environment did was to encourage innovation, new ideas and new solutions to both old and new problems. The grit in the oyster, as Nita Clark put it when I interviewed her and David McLeod for episode nine. This grit in the oyster created opportunities to challenge respectfully, establish norms and ways of thinking. Turning a problem on its head is a difficult thing to achieve if you're surrounded by people who have very similar thought processes, backgrounds and approaches to business challenges as you do. What I found was that team members would often be able to firstly frame a problem or challenge differently which caused you to look at it differently, and secondly, to further pose questions that had not previously been asked, which would generate further discussion and sometimes new answers. The challenge, in part, is working with the many cultures, languages, and different ways of doing things. This challenge is never more apparent than when conversations get heated and disagreements surface. These disagreements are exacerbated by the different cultural references that go deep. The beauty of working with representatives in various locations is the wide inside knowledge you gain about how the company works outside your immediate geography in which you are based. Mind the gap. So just how do you bridge the physical gap? when your team is dispersed. Now more than ever, companies have been forced to rethink communication and how to achieve the closeness with their teams that they had previously achieved when everyone was in the office. Sounds so great now when you say it out loud, but there are so many technologies tried and tested that can bridge that gap. Microsoft Teams is more of a tool for supporting projects and an excellent platform to maintain a rhythm of communication with project stakeholders. Skype, on the other hand, has fallen by the wayside slightly, but still serves as an excellent tool to have quick conversations or to make a request, which can then be facilitated via another channel. Slack is a great collaboration tool, like MS Teams, but perhaps with a better interface and a more user-friendly mobile app that's simple in its design. There's a plethora of system that can be used to support communication across teams. The thing to remember and to keep sight of are your tasks and priorities, and that will help inform your choice of digital comms aids. There's so much emphasis on the individual tools, but let's not forget the humble telephone, and of course, email that can be more impactful and a richer path to meaningful communication. There's nothing like a traditional conference call to get everyone singing from the same hymn sheet quickly. Webcam switched on is also a winning combination. The richer communication method, the stronger the engagement will be. The other consideration when it comes to using technologies is the different perceptions of each tool in different countries. For example, some tech may not be fully deployed or deployed at all in particular geographies. That may be due to security constraints or just to the familiarity with the tool itself or lack of. There is a general view that these platforms are universally liked and understood. But this isn't always the case. I've come across international tech deployments that have not reached all corners of the business and where usage is low or non-existent. When considering which tool to use for your team, interactions, it's always worthwhile checking that the choice works well for all. Adapting working styles and practices When I was managing European teams, I was constantly mindful of each member's differing priorities and how this might conflict with what we were trying to achieve at the European level. Not only was this a consideration, but also different requirements and time zones. Across Europe, the time zone wasn't much of a challenge, but for Asia and Australia, this often meant starting work much earlier to catch them before they left for the day. What struck me most was the ease with which simple messages would go amiss or get confused. Remote management brings with it an extra layer of management challenge, where more effort is needed to ensure all team members are fully aware of and understand what is happening at the centre and how these central activities can be reflected locally. The ease with which central messages got confused or did not land well with remote team members was astonishing. It's worth considering how to provide specific forums for remote employees to share information, collaborate, and most importantly of all, harness as much information to support effective wider communication to employees as possible. Thank you for listening to this episode of Engagement Express. It's clear that the world of work is changed exponentially as a result of the crisis. Remote working is no longer a nice to have, but a must have. And organisations must find ways to accommodate remote working and to facilitate that effectively with tools in order to give employees the mechanisms to make it work for them. I hope you enjoyed the discussion as much as I did. Join me in two weeks' time for episode 13. Reach out to me and let me know what you think or if you'd like to work with me further at kateisiche at wheretolookcoms.co.uk or via LinkedIn at kateisiche.com. I would absolutely love to hear from you. And remember, opportunities to engage are everywhere. You just need to know where to look.